Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hello everyone, wild Philadelphia 76ers game, 129-126 victory in overtime over the Indiana Pacers. Dave, Dave Early with me on the line. Dave, uh, does your neck hurt from the whiplash of that roller coaster finish to this game? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. Um, my, my neck hurts from watching that. Was it Melton who shot one that went above the backboard and bounced and went out of bounds and then went in the basket? <laughs> I, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, lots of things made your neck hurt at watching this one. But so just to quickly recap everything that transpired in the last four or five minutes of regulation and overtime, Sixers, you know, look to be comfortably coasting to a, a win at home, even without Joel Embiid, who was a scratch with a sore foot. Um, but they, they you know, we're we're gonna talk about the bench. The bench played really well tonight. Uh Harden had a, a nice offensive game and they, they you know they were trading baskets they're le- le- leading by 10 12 points uh, most of the fourth quarter all of a sudden offense can't get anything going there's some bad turnovers indiana has i think it was a 14-2 run suddenly indiana was up four with uh inside of a minute left and it looked like a disaster scenario for the sixers just a, a blown lead yet again you know all the the crunch time woes that have haunted this team in the past, just the same old stuff. And then uh, suddenly they, they got a couple steals. Um, Tyrese Maxey, a couple fast break opportunities, tie game, go to overtime, some, some big shots by DeAnthony Melton, who we're going to discuss in overtime. Um, great defensive plays by both James Harden and Trez Harrell. Um, you know, that's that's why you bring guys like that in for their defensive contributions. <laughs> and they, they certainly brought it on that end tonight. Um, and yeah, the Sixers end up pulling it out by the skin of their teeth. 129-126. Um, Dave, let's start with... Uh, I, I think we got to start with Trez because as we've always maintained, he needs to get more minutes. Like, why doesn't Doc play this guy more? We've said this every week now. But got got to give the man credit. You know, played... Played outstanding tonight. He finished with 19 points, a, a, a Sixers high for him. Eight of nine from the field. His first seven shots. Also four blocks, and a couple of them were really influential in the in the latter part of the game. He had had one kind of two handed one off the backboard in overtime, um, and he he was just eating up every minute of it, like yelling to the crowd. The crowd is like a gladiator like scene with uh, Trez and his crowd play. Um, just uh, yeah, I mean. What was your overall takeaway from Trez's performance tonight, Dave? Uh, that two-handed block was like a game save, game saver, uh, and you don't expect him to make amazing defensive plays. I mean, there was a stretch during their run where they were really going at Harden, and as soon as they got by him, 
Trez was trying to take charges. He split one of two, right? Down the yeah, stretch there. He, he got, got one. Blocked. He got one call and then he had another where I think it was inside the circle, so it was a block. Yeah, but in, in that stretch, they weren't getting stops. I mean, it was 129-126. I forget if it was Rich Hoffman of the Athletic who tweeted like there will be points when when <laughs> we we saw the uh Sixers starting lineup was gonna be so small. Yeah. And um he was right. There were a lot of points scored in this one and the Sixers I looked it up. It was the fourth game of the season where they possessed a double-digit lead that wound up in overtime. They're now 3-1 and one in those games. You remember the Rockets game? I think they started like 10-zip. You remember the Lakers game? They had a big lead at one point, and there was a Raptors game that went to overtime, and now this one. Um, yeah. So 3-1 is good. You, you wish these <laughs> games were not going to overtime. It's much more fun when you're coming back and sending it to OT, but um being able to get it done once it gets there ice water in melton's veins i tried to make a joke but i was so excited watching the game and i came up with like there's no melt in the ice in this guy's veins or <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um, um but yeah so melton two big threes in in overtime he had five for the game overall five for eight from three uh just Man, where would this team be without DeAnthony Melton? Just um, another clutch performance from him. Uh, solid defense as usual. Nineteen points, um, and and they went with the the three guard starting lineup. They 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 slid Maxi back into the starting lineup um, with Joel out, and they went with Tucker at center. Really really small lineup with Melton, Maxi, and Harden. Um, but that's something you've been kind of asking to see more of you you wrote an article for liberty ballers earlier this week uh, on that very topic what did you think of the the three guard rotation or the three guard lineup in this in this one dave well i think it looks a lot better with joel Embiid out there (laughs) (laughs) some some rim protection definitely helps yeah (laughs) but it was definitely worth a shot and you do you are very much interested in how this team can look with such a small lineup for certain playoff matchups that you hope that they could figure that out. You know, a lot of the teams that make the conference finals do tend to have a small ball look. So knowing that you could go to one in a pinch or force the team out of their comfort zone would be nice. Tucker, Harden, Harris, um, Maxi, and then Melton, I guess would be the look. And um, yeah, it, it, it looked great against new Orleans. And I thought it was from a vibes perspective, one of the funnest games Embiid and Harden had because the spacing was so nice sliding Melton in over Tucker. You know Tucker is, you know, he's going to make like 40% on one three-pointer per game, but he's not going to command attention. So someone's going to double off him. But with Melton out there, that's not the case. And we saw some really good ball movement, plenty of room for those guys. It stinks that Joel got hurt. Uh, I guess we could talk about that in the latter half. Um, but without him, yeah, you're going to rely on these guys and they're, they're going to have to play fast. They got a lot of points tonight. Yeah. The, the defense wasn't what you would hope for. Um, buddy healed had a ton of open looks and made six threes, um, for 24 points. All, all five Indiana starters finished in double figures. They had seven guys in double figures overall, but Hey, the best, the best defense sometimes is scoring 129 points. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, they, they were definitely they were definitely playing fast with the smaller lineup. Um, I, I thought the the kind of closing lineup with the three guards and Harrell instead of uh, instead of Tucker that was good as well. Um, Trez is a pretty good passing big man. 
So I thought when they they had the Harden Trez picking roll going and and Trez made a couple reads to to kick it or swing it to other other parts of the court, um, those generally worked out pretty well. Um, I remember he hit one that uh, Niang hit a corner three out of, out of that action. Um, not that that was a small ball lineup, but just to show that uh, he has that capability. Um, so it was, and it was good to see Harden and Trez finally play some significant minutes together. That's something we have been saying. Like if you're going to play Harrell, like you should play him with Harden because that's kind of the the bread and butter pick and roll action that you would want uh, to maximize those guys' skill sets. Um, but let's talk about Harden's night tonight. So he had 26 points, eight assists, uh, a steal, and two blocks. Um, as I briefly mentioned in, in the open, he came up with some really big defensive plays down the stretch. Um, he had one of the steals in the last minute of regulation when the Sixers were down four to help uh, tie the game. And then he himself had a very big block in overtime. Um, so good, good contributions from him on that on the court. Um, obviously, you know, wasn't perfect. Got beat off the dribble quite a few times, but that's just par for the course. That's what you get with the Harden package. But offensively, he was great. Um, I thought he had a much more attacking and scoring mindset with Joel out. Uh, do you agree with that, or was I don't I don't know was it was it was that just something I constructed in my head, or did you see the same thing, Dave? No, I think I think you're right. His his points per 36 minutes without Joel are in line with a high scoring guy, like 27, 30 points. Um, and you see that when Joel tends to sit, you see him put up numbers. He's much more aggressive. He sh- his shooting frequency is much higher, I believe. Um, you know what it looks like when he and Embiid share the court. They they play at a much, much slower tempo for one. Harris or Tucker likes to flare through and try to force kind of a soft switch. And then Embiid sets a pick. He might set two picks, and they hope for James to make that pocket pass. By the time Joe catches it in, the shot clock's at like nine, right? So yeah. that's that's their bread and butter offense when Embiid's in the lineup. When that's not the case, you see what you see tonight. You see James take more just pull-up threes and transition, more step-back threes, more getting to the paint. I mean, he had one gorgeous step-back midi in crunch time here uh, along the left baseline, which was really nice to see. Uh, and some nice passing. I mean, he did, he did still leave you wanting because, like, I know it's cliche in Sixersville now, but that burst, it's not there. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't um, think that's coming back. No, I don't think it's coming <laughs> back either. Uh, certainly not with all these unnecessary overtime games. That's the last yeah. way to get it back, right? But, yeah, for, um, 42 minutes for, for James tonight. Not not the load management you've been calling for, for sure. No, he just doesn't <laughs> He just doesn't have it in him to just dust somebody. You know, size him up. Oh, okay, I got a rookie. He's never seen this Tim Hardaway senior crossover followed by the step back. Let me hit him with that. There's not a ton of that. Um, but he was great. I mean, he he won this game for them by filling it up, leading the charge, and like surprisingly well on defense the way he held up. It reminded me of that uh, first-round series-saving block he had on Lou Dort in that clutch moment um, in the bubble when he uh, when he got that block tonight. Right after breaking two clutch free throws. Yeah, I was going to say, um, for 
all the guys to potentially miss two free throws in a clutch situation, James would have been the last guy you would expect. He'd been eight for eight from the line before that. Um, but yeah, very much made up for it with the block on the ensuing possession. Yeah, that was that was really disheartening to see. I was a little nervous for him, but he really made up for it on the other end. And uh, it's not something you always see from him. And then Trez, too. So two guys who you're out, you put out there for offense, got monster blocks. Yep. Uh, great two-way moments from each of those guys tonight um, in the Sixers overtime win. Um, we're going to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll talk about the rest of the contributions from the Sixers uh, tonight. They had really, really good night with the bench. We're going to talk about that. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, and we're back. So we discussed Harold's great night, um, but the entire bench played really well. Um, Shake Milton, five for six from the field for 13 points. George Niang, uh, three of four from three, 11 points for him overall. And Matisse Thibel, five points, but um, also some some pretty good defense. They were doing some offense defense with him down the stretch. Uh, Dave, this is probably the, the best as we've seen from like a well-rounded perspective from the Sixers, I would say in quite some time um, they've had games where one or two guys have had an, a nice night off the bench. Um, but I, I think everyone just contributing tonight and until the late game collapse, I think the theme of the night would be that the Sixers just worked Indiana with both units um, and, and the bench, you could have said the bench won them the game. And then that obviously went out the window with the, uh, the, the, the 10 point double digit lead vanishing. Um, but yeah, uh, what did you see from the bench tonight? I thought, I thought they were excellent. I thought Trez who actually came off the bench was excellent. His best game as a sixer by far his best game up there with any best game that a backup center has had. Right. Um, thinking of some games Drummond's had, I and mean, this was, this was a great game for him. Niang and shake play really well. The Sixers top lineup, from a plus-minus perspective on the night, was Trez, Niang, Shake, Matisse, and Maxi. They played 10 minutes, and they were plus seven. Um, and then I thought there was—I thought it was fun to see the, the next best lineup they had was Tucker, Harden, Harris, Melton, and Thibault. And that's, you know, something that I've been clamoring for. We heard lip service that we might get to see Melton and Matisse play together preseason. They both really sounded like they wanted to to wreak some havoc. Both of that was at the Pac-10 Defensive Player of the Year 
trash talk they had going. Um, <laughs> but that lineup uh, did definitely did give Indiana some fits. And you'd love to see more of it. Matisse, his plus minus has been so positive, so overwhelmingly positive lately that he's just screaming for more minutes. Um, it bugged me a little bit that they didn't put him back in down the stretch because they were beating the doors off of Indiana when he was on the floor. Um, it worked out, so I can't criticize him too much. They did win the game, but um, I think he's earned it. Yeah, he's he's definitely moved ahead of uh, House in the in the rotation, and he, yeah, he's been, ahead of House. yeah, he's and he was firmly behind him when the season started. I think that's, that's, that's flipped completely. And yeah, he's, he's playing really well. Um, I think, as you said, keep giving him these, these opportunities and he's, he's done a great job with them and he's, he's earned the minutes he had. Um, Yeah. You you could definitely play him a little bit more. And as you said, I I would like to see more of the Melton Matisse lineups. That's just so much length and defensive activity on the perimeter. And that's, always been an area the Sixers struggle with. And now you have this pair of just elite guys at creating deflections and steal opportunities. And that can kickstart your offense with a fast break um, and get transition opportunities. And yeah, you, you would like to to see them go with that more. Um, and maybe they'll be able to, if they do stick with more of a three guard look more often than they, they have in the past. Um, but yeah, but a night tonight where, Joel's out and that forces you to play small. You, you definitely like to see that because if you can stop the guys out on the perimeter before they get to the rim, your your lack of rim protection with Joe Joel being absent is not as as big a deal. So having those guys out to kind of patrol is 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 what you like to see. Um, yeah, Matisse has been playing great. Um, he was a team high plus fourteen tonight so definitely made uh, some positive contributions during his minutes um yeah we'll, we'll and as we've discussed in the past um you might like to see matisse and harden tie tie those minutes together a little bit more too because uh matisse does those dunker spot cuts and the duck ins and stuff and james is a guy that will find him in those situations so i think that there's a little synergy there to be explored um yeah a lot of people were saying the Sixers should experiment with these three guard lineups, but I think it's easy to forget that they played their most games with Matisse, a guard out there with Maxi and Harden last year and went 14 and six, one of the best, you know, net ratings at the time. So I know this is a hot button issue. I know that he's not in doc rivers, good graces, and I'm sure it goes back to him being only partially vaccinated and missing the games in Toronto last season. And he's still clearly not someone doc trusts because this he was playing so well. He's got a plus minus and off on differential that's up there with Harden and Embiid. And you don't expect that to hold. But if you're trying to win these regular season ball games, there's definitely some a recipe for success. Like you said, alongside Harden, we have seen that you have a little continuity. Uh, so hopefully they lean into that more, even if it comes because of injuries. And you realize, oh right, we could do that again. That used to work for regular season wins, which we need so badly now. Right. Yeah, I I understand why Doc went away from Matisse at the beginning of the season because you've seen the postseason track record, and yep. there's only so many times you can be in a playoff series and watch teams play ten feet off Matisse and him just brick a three or not shoot it because he doesn't want to miss. Um, the, like let's try something else. We brought in House like or 
let's let's give him a shot and and a, a full runway to to seize the role but that clearly didn't happen so yeah give him give him tease a shot now and you know rack up these regular season wins i think when the postseason rolls around it's probably going to be the the same story we see in the past and you might have to tweak the rotation or just it'll naturally tighten down to maybe an eight man rotation where it won't matter as much. And shake's been playing really well. So he, he can be that other guard off the bench in the rotation. Um, So yeah, it's probably not something I foresee like, Oh, well, Matisse is going to be a difference maker for this team as a contender, but for a team that, you know, needs to probably finish top three in the East to have a realistic path to, you know, achieve the goals they want to achieve this season, then Matiska is definitely a guy that can help you out a lot over the course of the regular season. Yeah, I've got him squarely in play him more or trade him category because I don't think he should be sitting. Um, yeah, you're not. Like, he definitely has some value mm-hmm. either to you as a team or in the market. So just letting him ling- like waste away at the end of the bench and then you lose him this offseason for agency, that's the, probably the, the the least sensible path to take with him. Yeah, Daryl said at an exit last year, it is tough for a guy like him who's a one-way player. And, you know, that could have been the writing on the wall for him as a sixer. Um, but here he is, still on the team and helping them win ball games uh, throughout the season after we've seen guys that they've brought in here, like House, who was brought in to be a two-way player, just not play as well, so... Yeah, it's weird that they have no trouble playing one-way players offensively during the regular season, but um, not a, a defensively player. Um, and and then they both hurt you in the postseason. But uh, it, it never seems like guys get benched in the regular season because oh, well, he's he's a one-way player. He's only he's only helping us score. Like he doesn't play good defense. Like people don't worry about that in the regular season as much. But. Um, yeah, I Matisse. think it was Marty Teller who was like, Niang is absolutely <laughs> indispensable in the regular season, and then he was going to be worthless in the postseason, which is yeah. a little hyperbolic, but you know, the point that you're making exaggerated. Right. Uh, which ironically, Niang became like their sixth man in the playoffs <laughs> in the yeah. past because they really had no one else stepping up. Um but yeah, I, mean, I, his, I don't his three pointer is beautiful. He just needs no room. Yeah, he I, I mean as as I said, he he was an, also a guy that had a great night tonight. Um, four or five from the field, three or four from three. Just he can catch it, and he's got such a high release point. It's basically impossible to kind of disrupt the shot because you know he's this six ten guy that's shooting it above his head at at his catching it and shooting it above his head like pretty rapidly. Um, so yeah, he's he's getting them off really quickly and. I, you know, what is he shooting? Forty-two percent from three this season. Um, I think he's top fifteen in the league. So, yeah, just a super valuable guy to have out there. And I think I, I disagree with the you can't play him in the postseason. I, I, I don't think it can be like twenty plus minutes like they were forced to do in the past. But he's definitely a guy that played ten, fifteen minutes for you in the in the postseason without question in my mind. Yeah, we didn't we see Pat Connaughton log some big minutes in the finals. Yeah, I mean, I think Connaughton's a little more of a Two-way valuable guy. defender. Like, I, I think he can kind of switch a little better than Niang can. And, and All right, there's other examples. I yeah, there's there's the right definitely one. guys. Like, you can <laughs> you can find 
10 to 12 minutes for like just have him back up Tobias and he's just the backup for and that's fine like yeah that's yeah there's there's no no reason he can't play opposing opposing fours that are coming off the bench for people um but yeah good game for him uh shake continues to really have found himself um it, it all kick-started with the the hospital sixers and shake carrying the offense and he, he really seemed to find his confidence and uh he's carried that over back to his, his bench role and continues to play really well for the Sixers, which is great to say. Um because he's a guy that does have length and some lateral mobility as a defender. So you like, hey, that's a two way guy now. You you feel pretty good about him being like a eighth man in the postseason, like without question. So five of yeah, five of six for him, eight of nine for Trez, four of five from the Yang. I mean the bench was scorching hot. Yep. Yeah, great, great performance from them um, on the whole. So, yeah, that was, I think that was going to be the story. And then, you know, the late game collapse. Uh, it's always kind of a, 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 like a nitpick for me, but I hate how teams just forget they have subs or they just refuse to use subs after a certain point, like when games go into overtime and everything. Like, oh, well, we had a closing lineup that we played the last four and a half minutes with. So we're just going to continue to, like, now they're just playing nine and a half minutes straight, which you mm-hmm. you never really do that. And especially in a situation where, like, the Sixers' closing lineup was kind of, like, what got them into trouble in the first place. It's getting worked. Yeah, it wasn't like, hey, they, they brought us back into this game. Like, we were down eight and... They, they got it back and tied it up like that wasn't the case. So maybe they go back to some of these bench, like one or two of these bench guys that are playing so outstanding all game. And they were the reason you had a lead in the first place. Um, that's just so was a, something that was, bothers me from time to time when these overtime games happen. It was definitely a gamble on Rivers part to bench Tucker for Trez heading into overtime. Like that, that's not necessarily an intuitive move. You started the game with small ball. I know it didn't work out, but deep down in your heart of hearts, you probably do trust Tucker over Trez, generally speaking. But to his credit, tonight I think he made the right move there heading into the OT. Yeah. Tucker also had the leg injury where he left the game for a period of time. So yeah, I'm sure that probably played into the thinking as well. Um, so let's uh, let's talk about two, thing, two more things before we go. Not quite related to the game. One, um, Joel Embiid. Missed the game with a the foot. There's some shady internet stuff about him getting an MRI at, at the hospital. Um, I, I think you're a little more willing to speculate on on that than some others. What are, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, I there's a video of someone saying this is Joel Mead at the Bryn Mawr Hospital, and I looked at it. I, you know, obviously I couldn't see his face, so I can't tell you that that's Joel Mead, but. I can tell you that if that is Joel Embiid, it looks like he was wearing a protective boot on his left foot. And we knew that he appeared to roll his ankle or hurt his foot um, during the Pelicans game. And I I tweeted, like, that's definitely going to swell up. Let's keep an eye on this. And I was cautious about that because after Harden and after Maxi, it just seems like absolute due diligence. Of course, you're going to x-ray and MRI this guy if he's even limping. So hearing people say that we're reading too much into it, no, I don't think we are. I think they probably did look into this. I think it probably was standard due diligence. And I think if you wanted to take a glimmer of hope from it, 
you could say that if he did have that scan, the fact that Doc Rivers said he isn't worried about it and he's day to day essentially in the pregame is good news. Yeah, Doc very emphatic that it's day to day and seemed a little like confused why people were harping on it. And um yes. Well, he, he's a supermax player and we've yeah. dealt with a lot of foot injuries in this city. <laughs> right. Yeah, I I I think that people were rightly trying to dig in on it and get a little more information, but I think the fact that Doc was so nonplussed about the whole situation uh maybe speaks well for an optimistic viewpoint on this on it. But uh yeah, yeah something to keep an eye you, on for sure. Everyone listening to us who plays fantasy football knows that sometimes guys are in boots and you still wonder if they're gonna play. Is this a pro what is the word prophylactic? Is this preventative? I don't know what's going on. I'm about to get a scan and I know that the boot will help me reduce swelling, but I'm still going to be out. I think Leonard Fournette, for example, has done that from time to time, left people thinking, oh, he's in a boot, and then he just comes out and gets like 100 yards and a touchdown. So it, it could be something like that if he indeed was wearing one, or it could be something a little more lengthy and he's going to be out for a few games, but hopefully yeah. not more than that because day-to-day usually doesn't mean weeks. Right. I mean, it could have just been cautious. Like, hey, you're you're going to get an MRI that at least – creates the possibility that there's something wrong so why not just tyrese could have wear it him. tyrese could have been like hey mine was fractured put the damn boot on yeah like <laughs> what's the harm if yeah if, if it's not then you're just getting more stability for your foot your sore foot or whatever like it's not gonna hurt it so right. why not do it um all right so best wishes wishes for joel that back on the court soon we expect it but you, you never know in these situations so joel's just be <laughs> Be careful on your track down blocks because there's a lot of feet in those tangles you're going for. Yeah, uh, he's not not one to exercise caution in in those situations. <laughs> um, unfortunately, you love you love the intensity and the the effort he plays with, but yeah, it it does come back to bite him uh, every once in a while. With Don't the... jump as much. <laughs> Stay ground bound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so. Finally, uh, Sixers got a, another first-hand look at Tyrese Halliburton tonight, who finished with 16 points, 12 assists. So, gonna gonna bring back a blast from the past. We don't know if it was ever actually on the table. Sacramento has, I think, all the reports from people in the know there is that Halliburton was never actually made available in trade talks. Um, they were pretty firm in De'Aaron Fox being the the guard they were willing to get rid of. Um, and obviously that changed when DeMontis Sabonis was on, on the block for Indiana. Um, but when the Ben Simmons stuff was going down, that's a guy, a lot of people were focused on for the Sixers. Like, Hey, young guy, still able to contribute in the present, but still set you up very well in the future and able to stretch the floor and can, and, and kind of, uh, lead an offense as a playmaker as well. It looks like he's on his way to his first all-star game this season, having an outstanding year. Um, but it's it's all just speculation. We don't know if that was ever actually on the table. And of course, getting James Harden in a Ben Simmons deal is a very good result. Um, I, I guess the question would be, Dave, would you take the Halliburton route over Harden if, if that had been available, which we don't, we're, we're pretty sure it wasn't, but if so, is that an, is that an easy yes for you to take Halliburton? Oof. 
I I think I would. Yeah, I think it probably was available to them in some way. You know, uh, probably if you talk to them on the record, they would say it wasn't. Uh, they, you know, it was a little complicated. They were pushing. They were offering us De'Aaron Fox, that not on the record, but you know, that the company line would be they were offering Fox because we did see rumors that they were open to trading Fox at one point. Um, but I don't think the Sixers were offering like two picks and Seth Curry and Andre Drummond and maybe Matisse Thybul because they, for good reason, didn't value Halliburton the way they did Harden at the time. I mean, Harden hadn't had his second hamstring setback on this date when we we're having these conversations. So you're still looking at him as an absolute top 18 player and Halliburton as someone who might crack. Do you remember when Maury talked to Mike Missinelli and he was like, Embiid is playing so well that we were considering like top 30 players only in Ben Simmons trade, but maybe we would consider like moving that up to a top 40. I thought he had Halliburton in mind when he said that, because that's probably where I would have valued Tyrese. But now when you see it, it with the power of hindsight, would you have offered all the same amount that you offered Brooklyn for Tyrese Halliburton and get got a younger version? You don't have to worry as much about the contract situation. I think I would say yes to that. Yeah, it's probably a yes for me too. And this is all hindsight because mm-hmm. I think Halliburton has accelerated his timeline more, more than people might've thought. Um, the fact that he's already an all-star caliber player this year, uh, that creates a, a a situation where it's still a win now window for you, which I think that was the the downside of, of that hypothetical. If you're going after Halliburton, yeah, but you have Joel Embiid. You really he's right in his prime right now. You need to maximize yourself your your the value of your roster in the present to take advantage of this championship window of contention you have with Embiid. Um, so. Halliburton might not be there yet. He's you know still really young, going to have growing pains as a as a lead initiator and everything. So, I, but the fact that he's already here now, maybe that would have been enough. Plus, you have all the upside of you know he's a decade younger than Harden. You the, <laughs> the, sa- the yeah the sa- the salary cap uh, benefits of that. Plus the the fact that he still has so much more room to grow and Harden is as we discussed doesn't have the burst that he used to and you're you're constantly worried about his hamstrings and the load management and everything else that that stuff just wouldn't be a, a factor if you're talking about a guy who's in his early 20s so yeah it's again i think i think it would be the the right move to make but I, I i don't think it was really it was really a deal that was there um i think sacramento probably valued sabonis um higher than they did then. So it was I a think the Sixers were not putting the picks on the table. And so it was really Ben and Seth and Matisse versus Sabonis. And that was an easy Sabonis for them. Something like that. That would be my guess. Yeah. Um we'll we'll probably never know, but uh no. Did things did work out pretty well for the Sixers. Um we'll we'll see where it leads eventually, but I think uh Sacramento is happy with the the choices they made they're you know even though Halliburton looks to be this great player for the next decade uh they're having their most fun season in 15 years over in Cali so I don't think they're disappointed about things and um Halliburton is certainly flourishing in Indiana so they're happy about the turn Harden 
Harden for our standards didn't play very well. He you know, shot 40% from the field, eight of 20, but he had 26 points on his 20 shots with eight assists, a game winning block and a steal uh, and just four turnovers for those eight assists. So he just, you know, I think it is possible that he gives you a higher championship ceiling in this year and next year than Halliburton. You know, you need him to be fresh and healthy. And if yeah. he is, then you might be, the sky might be the limit where Halliburton might need another year. Right. Um, he's, I don't think he's going to be like overwhelmed by the moment, which is something that I think might be a possibility with Halliburton, who has never been in the playoffs. Um, so yeah, that's, that's kind of a something to consider, you know, he's 22 years old. Like, is that a guy you're going to be confident can be your lead ball handler for you would hope three plus rounds of in the playoffs. Um, yeah, it's tough, tough ask is all. Ky- yeah. Kyrie Irving got a lot of criticism for those early years of his career. It wasn't until he was closer to his mid twenties that it was just, Oh my goodness, this guy's insane. Right. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Um, I, I don't think people really give enough credit to guys who were able to do it at such a young age. It's, it's a lot more difficult than people kind of assume. Um, but anyway, but I think Maxine I think Halliburton would have been fun too. <laughs> it really like we the Tyrese backcourt for ten years would have been a super fun thing to watch. But yep. yeah, oh well, I just a fun hypothetical to to discuss. So wanted to hit on that um, post game Indiana. But anyway, Sixers one twenty nine one twenty six, fun win. Um, kind of a nearly a heartbreaking loss that they they then rallied and recovered and yeah yeah but got the win so that's that's all that matters in the end um center was rocking tonight so fun fun victory for the sixers dave fun talking with you as always where can people find you online at david early on twitter at libertyballers.com all right i am sean kennedy at philly fast break on twitter and check out all our content at libertyballers.com We'll talk to you next week. Sixers again, 129-126 win over Indiana. Take care, everyone.